Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done. Father, you carried my burden of sin to Calvary. And as you took my sin upon yourself and took the punishment for me, Father, as Joseph of Arimathea then took you from the cross, your son, and he took him to the tomb. And there you were laid in the tomb, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you that your son did not stay in the grave. But he rose again the third day. And Father, as Joseph was unashamed to carry Jesus Christ's broken body and scars in front of everybody. Father, may we do the same in this life to carry Jesus and tell the world who he is. And we know one day he will carry us home. Now speak through your word, I pray once again. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles, please, with me now. And let's turn to the gospel. Uh, not the gospel. The uh, book of John. The book of John. First John. It's actually First John. I, I got the gospel of John on my mind as well because we're studying that in the men's Bible study. But First John, we're going to begin a series in this tremendous letter that the Apostle John wrote to the churches. And I think that this is extremely practical for each one of our lives as we go through this letter. It's a short letter, but there was a problem going on in the first century church, and John wanted to set things straight and deal with it. You see, what had happened was heresies had creeped into the church, one called Gnosticism. And what those who, who professed Gnosticism or clung to this heresy, what they taught was that salvation is not just by faith, but it's by works as well. And secondly, they taught that, that anything material... Our bodies and anything else material is all evil. Only the spirit is good. And so therefore they went on to the next step and they began to teach those in the church this heresy. That because matter and material things that were created are, are all evil. There is no way that Jesus Christ came in physical flesh. That he put on flesh, a true human body. So basically they said he was basically, um, you know, a spirit that looked like a body and felt like a body sometimes. But they began to, to begin to say, well, Jesus really wasn't all 100% man and 100% God. And this was creeping in. All these, these questions about Jesus and, and suddenly... People, Christians began to waver, wondering, well, maybe it's true that Jesus didn't die. In fact, they began to get to a point where they says, I think this, this whole thing's a story that people made up about Jesus dying. And, and even back then, they weren't believing it. And, and so John here is trying to get across to the church the understanding that 
we must cling to the truth that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born in the flesh, took on flesh, and yet he was completely divine, he was completely God, and there upon that cross, the only way he could pay for our sins was if he was all man and all God. And so we're going to look this morning at the first four verses in chapter 1 together. The first four verses here, and uh, look with me at verse 1. This is how John starts his letter. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have beheld with our hands, handled concerning the word of life. Okay, so right then and there, he's, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, though he doesn't use his name here, the name Jesus, but we know what he's talking about who he's talking about. Do you notice something right away? What was from the beginning? Do you recall when John used those words, the beginning, in his gospel? Yes. The first uh, verse opening up of the gospel of John, he wrote, in the beginning was what? The word, the word was with God, and the Word was God. And so, John is concerned with of the church continuing to stand upon that truth that Jesus Christ is eternal, that He was from the beginning before the foundation of the world. Now, this, this phrase here, what was from the beginning, uh, scholars differ on, on the interpretation of this, okay? Now, you could take either, either thought, all right, and kind of go with it. The first one is, what uh, basically, the, it, it sounds like John is speaking when he says, what was from the beginning, uh, they, you know, some scholars think he's talking about what he talked about in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, the words were with God, before anything was ever created. But there's the other thought that some solid Bible teachers and scholars adhere to here concerning the interpretation of this, the beginning, is actually the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So basically starting with the incarnation of Jesus Christ, okay? So the beginning, so basically if you read this, you could, uh, if you took that, um, you know, that perspective, you would look at it and say, well, from the beginning when Jesus was born in the manger and he became flesh, and then he, that's, that's what we're talking about. He's talking about the beginning of the pure gospel when Jesus became human and took on human flesh. So either one you choose is okay here, but what's, what's important here is what John goes on to say then. He says, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld with our hands, handled or touched concerning the word of life, concerning the word of life. John asserts the reality of the total personality of Jesus Christ here as human and yet God. Notice what is he doing here? He's saying we, when he uses the word we, John the apostle here, 
who's writing this, is talking about his, his fellow companions who were still alive and spreading the gospel with John. So he's talking about other, other apostles, others who were, were with him in his, his company of, of missionaries. He said, but, and those who had seen Jesus. He's talking about those who were with, Jesus, with John when Jesus walked the earth. He says, we have heard first the ears. We have seen with our eyes. He's talking about Jesus Christ. We have seen him. In other words, Jesus wasn't just a spirit. We have seen him with our eyes. And then he goes on and says, we beheld him. Now, it's interesting. Notice what he says here. He says, we have seen him with our eyes. What we beheld. Now, what we beheld or gazed upon is different than what we've seen with our eyes. That phrase looked upon there, or gazed upon or beheld, actually uh, means a more intent looking, like you would into a microscope. And basically John is saying, we not only saw Jesus, but we looked deeply at him and into him and who he was and what he did. And so he, he continues to, to share with the church, basically, we are witnesses that Jesus is real, that he was really human, truly human, and truly divine. And then what, is it, what does he say? Our hands handled him, touched him, concerning the word of life. They, they touched Jesus. You recall... Uh, that uh, Thomas, when he doubted, what, what did Thomas say? Do you remember? When he was the one that didn't see Jesus resurrected from the dead. He said, unless I see his wounds, his hands and feet and touch them, I will not believe. And then Jesus appeared to him with the disciples. And he said, I don't want you to doubt anymore. Thomas, reach out and touch my hands. See that I'm real. Even after the resurrection, he had a real body. It was a resurrected body, but he still had the wounds. He said, go ahead and touch them and touch my feet. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, if you recall, he said, because you have seen me physically, you've seen me face to face. You've now believed. Then he says, blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. And guess who that is? It's you and me. You are sitting here today, if you are as a believer, because you believed in this Jesus, that he was human, that he went to the cross, and that when he rose from the dead, he he had the glorified body that, that still could be touched and felt, And you believed in his resurrection, even though you did not see him. And Jesus is saying, you are blessed because you believe in me and you haven't even seen me yet. But that day is coming. So basically, what is John doing here? John is trying to to be a witness. He's standing there writing this. And basically, he's taking the witness stand and saying, I was a witness of Jesus. Don't believe all the heresies that are coming in about Jesus. All these ideas that people are throwing at you, trying to change your mind about the truth, who Jesus really was. And my dear brothers and sisters, we must be careful because out there, the world is 
twisting things and they, they want us to doubt that Jesus was truly God. He was truly the Son of God and, and He wasn't real, that He never existed or that He never, never really, uh, you know, came to earth. There was no such thing as a Jesus. Here are some statements made about Jesus. This one was made by John Murray, former president of American Atheists. This is what he said. There was no such person in history, in the history of the world, as Jesus Christ. There was no historical, living, breathing, sentimental human being by that name ever. The Bible is fictional, non-historical narrative. The myth is good for business. See, that's what the world thinks about Jesus. And they want to get you and I to waver on our faith on what we believe about Jesus. And basically, where does it start? This book is a myth. Bunch of stories. Never really happened. But we have, John is trying to tell the church, remember, I am a witness. We are witnesses. We who were his disciples saw Jesus. We touched him. We saw his miracles. We saw what he did. We saw him rise from the dead. We know this is the, he was truly man and yet truly God. And the only way we can have salvation is if we accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God who was, came in the flesh, was crucified on the cross, buried and rose again the third day. Here's another statement by Gerd Ludman, German theologian. He wrote a book, What Really Happened to Jesus? And this is what he said, and I quote, We can no longer take the statements about the resurrection of Jesus, literally. So let us just say, quite specifically, the tomb of Jesus was not empty but full, and his body did not disappear but rotted away. End quote. Bill Phipps, elected moderator of the United Church said this, I don't believe Jesus was the son of God, but I'm no theologian. I don't believe Jesus is the only way to God. How many, have you heard, how many times have you heard that? People will tell you, well, there are many ways to God. It doesn't matter what religion you believe. Basically, you're going to get there. He goes on and says, I don't believe he rose from the dead as scientific fact. I don't know whether these things happened, but it's an irrelevant question. You see, this is what is out there, and they're trying to get our kids, you kids, watch out. Because in the public schools and uh, among the, the friends that don't know the Lord, you will hear those who will tell you, no, Jesus was never real. John is saying here, he was real because I talked to him, I saw him, I felt him, I touched him, I saw him being raised from the dead. Jesus was the real thing. Jesus was real. How many have ever heard of a touchstone? You ever hear of a touchstone, kids? You have? I see some of you nodding. Some of you kids, you learned it in science what a touchstone is. It's a stone that was basically discovered back around 500 BC by the Greeks. And a touchstone 
basically was a special stone used uh, against counterfeit, counterfeit metals. Okay, so it was used to test whether or not something was really gold or silver. So what this, this stone did, they found, discovered this, that when you took gold or silver and you would mark this uh, stone, you put a streak on it with, with what you thought was gold or what was silver. If it, it left a certain kind of streak, it proved to be gold. If it pr- showed any other kind of a streak, then, uh, then it, was, it was considered counterfeit. Oh, let me see here. Who do we got? Uh, Noah, are you back there? Come on up. Yes. Could you come here for a second, buddy? I want him to, I want him to help me. There's so much counterfeit and artificial stuff out there, isn't there? Right? How many have to use that artificial sweetener stuff? And artificial salt. Artificial yuck, you know. Oh, but no, um, you know when when you go to school, um, it it's nice to do things for your teacher, isn't it? Well, you know, back in the old days, students used to go to the come to school with an apple, and they used to give an an apple to their teacher. Okay, I brought an apple with me, and I want you to give this apple to your teacher. On Monday, okay? So I want you to give this delicious red apple to your teacher. Doesn't that look yummy? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this is this one on here? Let's turn to green. What 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 what's it's it? Fake. Fake? No, this is real. That's fake. This this is the real deal. Look at it. Look at it. It's it's got the stem. It's got it. it it's. I believe it's real. Why do you believe it's fake? You haven't... How do you know? It doesn't look real. Doesn't that look real to you? It looks real, but you say it doesn't look real. Take a bite of it. What's that? Take a bite of it. (laughs) So what you're saying... (laughs) Is in order for me to find out if this is truly real, I'd have to take a bite from it, right? That's the way to really find out. Okay, you hold it, touch it. All right? Now you bite it. I can't, it's wood. What? It's wood. It's wood? Wood! You gotta be kidding me. I thought it was real. You can't even squish it? Oh my goodness, did you hear that? Noah, you know what? I was fooled. I thought this was real. And, but you helped me. You showed me that I had to touch it, feel it, taste it, and then I knew that that's how you know it's a real one, right? Oh my goodness, didn't he? Thank him, give him a good hand. Would you do that? You did great for helping me out. He showed me what the real thing is. Here, you, give, you keep that. All right, you, you can do whatever you want with it. And you, if you want to give it to your teacher, you can. Or fake fun some of your friends out with it. All right, thank him again. Great job. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Noah. You know, you know, here it is. This is the whole thing. 
It's just, this is what basically John's trying to say here in these verses in opening his letter. He's saying Jesus is the real thing. Don't let anybody tell you that he's fake or that he's just a spirit or that, that he's, he's not real. Now notice, if you go back with me again to the end of verse 1, what did he say? He said, we, we saw, we touched, and, and we beheld him. We heard him concerning the word of life. Notice he gives a title for Jesus Christ, the word of life. And so, of course, we know G, uh, John spoke of this concerning Jesus again in the gospel. He wrote, in, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. But here he's, he uses the title. Jesus was given many titles in scripture. Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, as we came through Christmas, you know all these other titles. Mighty Counselor, well here's one, right? The Word of Life, and what's he trying to say? He's trying to say, Christian, remember when you share the gospel, you tell people that there is life in only one, and that is the living word, that is Jesus Christ himself. Now look at verse 2. And then he goes on and says, and the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness, or some of you may have a translation that says testify, and proclaim to you or declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. There he is. Now John is talking about in the beginning, pre the pre-incarnate Christ, but he says, in verse 2, the life, which is the word of life, Jesus Christ, was manifested. How was he manifested? In human flesh. When he was born and he grew and he began his ministry. And through Jesus, his, his life, through his life and his words and his teaching, he, he uh, was manifested uh, from God. He God basically manifested himself, revealed himself, another word is revealed, himself to you, to me, to the world, through his son and only his son. How else are you going to know God? How else are you going to find out who God, the real God is? It's when you come to Christ and, and see that Jesus came to reveal the Father, to reveal the, the God the Father. And then John goes on about being the witness Taking the witness stand, he says, he repeats himself, we have seen, okay, you've seen the life, the word of life, we saw Jesus in the flesh. And so now, he says, we bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father. Bearing witness and proclaim to you. My dear friends, when was the last time you and I, I actually took the witness stand for Jesus and were concerned about someone's soul. And even though they may say, I don't believe Jesus was real. This is, you know, I, I don't believe that story that he rose from the dead and all that stuff. But yet what we must do is proclaim Christ as John said he is doing and declare it and give testimony of who Jesus is. Now, you and I, we have not seen Jesus face to face, of course. We have not heard him speak, right? We have not touched him. But here's the thing. He has touched you. 
And he has touched me. When he, when he saved me from my sin and his spirit entered me, and suddenly my life is transformed, it's changed. Remember the times uh, of your life when, before you were saved, what it was like? Did any of your friends ever come to you after you were saved and say, something's different about you? Or they talk to others and says, do you notice that, that they're not the same? And they don't even want to hang out with you because you don't do the same things, you don't act the same way. Uh, things of the world, right? And wh- what, what are you doing? You are showing the world through your, the way you live your life, the way I live my life, and what I say, that I know Jesus because I've experienced him in my own personal life. I have experienced him face to face. The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the, the Lord Jesus, basically when he came, he came to indwell us. The word came to give us life everlasting. To give us that new life. And again, please be careful uh, about those who would try and sway you into thinking again that Jesus Christ is not really what the Bible says he is. That this is not true. The Jehovah's Witness, I'm just pulling one out of, out of many but many of the cults, but Jehovah's Witnesses, they rewrote their own Bible and interpreted, you know, translated it the way they wanted to. And we mentioned that, that first verse in the Gospel of John, that John wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jehovah's Witness changed something in that verse. So if you get their Bible and you read that verse, this is the way it's read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, small g. And the Word was a God, small g. Basically, the Jehovah's Witness do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe that he truly was the son of God, that he was a God. They believe that God the Father created Jesus, but he was the first of God's creations. And so they hold on to that truth. And, and uh, we, we, we could go on and on, but I want you to get a grasp of this. This is the truth that John wants to to convey to us, this is the, the, the foundational doctrine of our faith. Jesus being the Son of God. Then look with me at verses 3 and 4. He goes on and says in verse 3, What we have seen and heard, he says it again, what does he do? We proclaim to you also. Again, we're, we're proclaiming to you the reality of Jesus Christ. That you, for what purpose? That you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He's saying, we're proclaiming this to you, these things to you, brethren, that you might have fellowship with us. What does he mean by have fellowship with us? You know, he's writing to Christians. Now, when we think of fellowship, we think of, okay, we're going to have a fellowship dinner downstairs, right? We're going to get together and we're just going to meet together and have fellowship around the table. But John is not talking about a face-to-face fellowship here. He's talking about <coughs> the spiritual fellowship that, that, uh, that he, he wanted to make sure he had with those in the churches that he could not see, but that they basically were believing the same thing. You can't have fellowship with someone unless you are of the same mindset, unless you believe the same thing, right? Nobody, two, two people can't walk together unless they agree, the Bible says. And so that is what John is saying. He says, I want you to get rooted in this truth so that we have, though we're apart, we, are, we have a bond. We're, we, we, we believe the same thing and we're found, grounded in, in the same thing. And so we have, have that fellow, spiritual fellowship with, and notice he says, and then we have it with the Father and with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he concludes, verse 4. And these things we write so that your joy, some translations have our joy. Our joy or your joy may be complete. The joy comes when we believe this with all our heart. So that when it comes time to take a stand for Jesus Christ, we will have joy in our heart even though we may be persecuted. We may be mocked and laughed at for being a believer in the Lord Jesus and I pray that you and I will be that kind of person who will, like John, go out and declare and proclaim who Jesus really is and what he did on that cross so that others will come to know the Savior. What, what a, an opportunity we have every day. Here's, there was a man named John Harper took a, a ship ride with his, his uh, uh, niece. And he happened to take the trip from Britain, Great Britain to America. He was heading to Moody Church. And he happened to be sailing on the Titanic. He was there. He was a godly pastor from Scotland. And Harper had recently, spent, uh, had recently spent three months ministering at Moody Church in Chicago, and now he was going back. So he quickly made arrangements with uh, his niece to go with him to travel back to America. And then, of course, you know what happened. The, they hit the iceberg. His niece reported later that that afternoon she saw her uncle speaking individually to people about their souls as soon as the, the iceberg was struck. It seems he was in the habit of seeking out the lost sheep wherever he went. As the Titanic hit the iceberg and as the call was issued for passengers to vacate their cabins, Harper wrapped his his niece in a blanket and told her that she would see him again one day and passed her to one of the crewmen. After watching her safely board one of the lifeboats, 
he removed his life jacket and gave it to one of the other passengers. One survivor distinctly remembered hearing him shout, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboat. Harper knew that believers were ready to die, but the unsaved were not ready. Harper then ran along the decks. I want you to picture it. If you ever saw the movie The Titanic, well, just picture this. Harper was running along the decks, pleading with people to turn to Christ while the ship was sinking. And then he's the one that called upon the Titanic's orchestra to play Nearer My God to Thee. Did you know that? Gathering people around him on the deck, he then knelt down and with a face of joy, he raised his arms in prayer. As the ship lurched back and forth, he jumped into the icy waters and swam frantically to all he could reach in the water who were drowning. And in the water, he was beseeching them to turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. Finally, as hypothermia set in, John Harper sank beneath the waters and passed into the presence of the Lord at age 39. Four years later, this is amazing, four years later, a young Scotsman by the name of Aguilla Webb stood up in a meeting in Hamilton, Canada and gave this testimony. I am a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting along on, a, on that that awful night in the water, the tide brought John Harper of Glasgow also on a piece of the shipwreck near me. And he said to me, man, are you saved? No, I replied, I am not. John Harper then said to me in the water, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The waves pulled him away. But strange to say, brought him back a little while later. And as John floated back towards this man, he said again, are you saved now? No, I said, I cannot honestly say I am. And once again, John said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And shortly he went down there alone in the night and left him alone in the night. With two miles of water under me. But at that moment, I believed. I am John Harper's last convert. John Harper's testimony while he died saved me. Apparently, God wanted Webb's amazing testimony to be shared with all the world. Continues to be shared. My friends, how far are we willing to go to save a soul? May God use each one of us to proclaim the good news. Let's pray together. While we bow before the Lord this morning in prayer. Dear Christian, are you standing upon the truth of the word of God concerning Jesus Christ? If you have any doubts, put them down by claiming the word of God, what it says about Jesus for every word is true. And say, Lord, help me to hold on to the truth. In spite of those who would come against it and against me. And Lord, help me to be the witness I, I need to be. 
and be willing to even lay down my life if I have to. But be willing to tell others about Jesus before it's too late. Would you be that kind of a witness, Christian? Make that commitment right now. If you're here without Jesus Christ in your heart, you've never trusted him like that man floating in the water. We say to you now, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. He died on that cross for your sins and rose from the dead. Would you accept him now? Right where you sit, just pray a prayer like this with me. If you really truly believe in your heart in the Son of God and want him to save you, then you can pray this prayer of salvation with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's just a prayer of confessing your faith to the Lord. Just repeat after me quietly in your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now born again spiritually. You belong to the family of God. Your sins have been forgiven. Welcome to God's family. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth about your son. Thank you for revealing your salvation through him. And for any who may have trusted him this day, help us to be the witnesses we ought to be, Lord, and to proclaim who Jesus is, that he is the only way to salvation until he returns. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.